Welcome to Thunder Nerds. I'm Brian Hinton. Vincent Tang here. <laughs> That's Vincent. And I'm Frederick Weiss. And you are consuming the Thunder Nerds. So happy to have you on the show. And today we have an amazing guest with us. We have JavaScript educator, the vanilla JS guy himself, Chris Ferdinandi. Chris, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. I stopped dancing just in time for the outro to end, or that would have been really awkward for everybody. It would have been a scotch uh, just, awkward, but feel free to dance at any point. We encourage I mean, you. I can play the music again. If you play. Yeah. That, that music is pretty banging. I'm a big fan. <laughs> hey, I'll get something going for you. Here we go. Let me get some. You want to bang through the acoustic or maybe a little bit more <laughs> trippy? Is that more your Oh, that's nice. I could, yeah, I can get it. This has got some, like, some lo-fi vibes. I could do this. Right? I'm sure you can uh, see uh, previous hey, that, that no one's cognizant of. <laughs> anyway, Chris, we're so happy to have you. Uh, why don't you, uh, why don't we first, before we get to our audience questions, which audience start live chatting with us, we'll put your questions up there and we'll answer them uh, as they are received. But Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some uh, some context, context with brevity if you can. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. So I am, um, uh, as, as you mentioned, I'm the vanilla JS guy. I, um, I help people learn JavaScript. Um, and uh, my... I guess my opinion or perspective on the web um, is that I think there's maybe a simpler and more resilient way to make things for the web than is the norm within our community. And so a lot of my education is focused on um, how we can build a simpler, faster worldwide web that's better for the people who use the things we build and possibly also better for us as developers. Excellent. So how did you get down that path of becoming this uh educator what inspired you to say you know what this is really where my passion lies i want to help people out and this is specifically what i want to do yeah um so uh this is a second career for me i started uh i started out as an hr guy um and through a series of little twists and turns ended up um uh kind of falling in love with web dev and wanting to make it my career and um HTML and CSS came pretty easy to me, but I um, I sucked at JavaScript so bad. I failed interviews for like two years every time JavaScript questions came up. So when it finally clicked for me, um, I felt like um, there might be other folks who were struggling in a lot of the same ways I had and uh, wanted to make their journey a little bit easier than mine was. And that kind of kick-started this whole thing. What was your... Uh... What was your big sticking point? Like, what was the main thing that really like drew drew out your your entry into JavaScript? Yeah. So, in a word, just dot dot dot. Um, you know, so like every JavaScript tutorial started off with just really complicated thing. Like for <laughs> me at the time, that I take for granted everybody knows because I've been doing this for a while. It's kind of like the um, like the expert's dilemma, you know? Um, and you still see that in documentation and tutorials. Just NPM install, just open up command line and. Um, that was my Achilles heel for a really long time. Um, and so I have a tendency to, um, you know, beyond assuming you know how to load a script and open a text editor, um, I try to avoid assuming that my students have any base knowledge coming in. It's fair to say. Yeah, so how do you like stay in that kind of beginner mindset when you're 
still able to connect to people that are starting for the first time since you've been developing for a long time? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, honestly, the, the thing that's really helped me is as I've, um, I've tried to avoid the temptation of leveling up with my audience. So, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of different ways you can, um, you can kind of approach like a product business or an education product business where like, you know, as your students get more sophisticated, you keep kind of like upping the complexity of the stuff you do. And I've done a little bit of that, but I tend to really stick with the beginner audience a lot. Um, I, I honestly just enjoy working with them um, a bit more. And um, so because of that, uh, I get asked a lot of like really kind of entry level questions from people who are entry level in their career. Um, and uh, it really, it helps me avoid kind of that trap of assuming base knowledge because anytime I start to drift in that direction, my students will ask me what the hell I'm talking about and I can course correct. Um, I have a Slack community for people who buy my courses and take my workshops and stuff. And so that helps. I'm just getting a constant barrage of questions about things people are struggling with. And so it really kind of helps me keep a pulse on, um, first of all, new stuff that I wouldn't have heard about. Um, but also, you know, if I've done a bad job explaining something, someone is going to ask me about it and it gives me an opportunity to clarify, which is great. Would you tell me a little bit about your community and what services you, you provide as far as coaching, um, courses, yeah. et cetera, and how that works? Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I, um, uh, I have a few different things. Um, kind of the, the entry for most folks is a daily newsletter that I run. So five days a week, I am sending out um, short little emails about some developer-y thing that I've learned. Um, it's usually JavaScript focused. Sometimes it's HTML or CSS. Um, sometimes it's, most of the time, it's me kind of sharing little tips or tricks, but oftentimes it's me linking to a great article from someone else or a cool new tool that someone might find helpful or useful. Um, and so from there, um, uh, I offer a series of, um, I call them pocket guides, um, but it's, it's courses and eBooks that are really like small and narrowly focused. So um, I have ADHD, which means that I cannot like stick with these like 40 hour everything you need to know courses. And so um, that's probably one of the things that made it really hard for me to learn too. Um, so most of my like stuff is focused on like, I want you to get in and out in like, you know, 15 minutes, an hour or less. And so my courses are all, they're focused on a specific topic like DOM manipulation or working with APIs. And everyone is designed to be consumed in about an hour, um, either watching or reading. Um, and then from there, we jump up into this um, six-week online workshop program that I run. That's actually, I have a new session starting in April. Registration opens next week. Um, but this, um, the way this works is it kind of like it drips stuff out to you. So every other day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you get um, uh, like one to three short little lessons and then a project to work on. And then the next day, you get around the in-between days, you get how I approached it and some of the common issues I see people run into. Um, and then the projects kind of build on each other. So rather than just throwing people into like, let's build some really big thing, you get really small projects that cumulatively build on each other. So after six weeks, um, you've learned a whole bunch of stuff, but you've, you've gotten there really gradually and it doesn't kind of burn you out the way, um, you know, other programs might, um, or just, you know, trying to do all the things at once might. Um, I've had people ask me if they could just go through the whole thing, like 
at once self-paced, but I find it works a lot better when you drip the content out a little bit, uh, a little bit at a time. Uh, I'm, I'm curious too, like how, um, like what was the catalyst to actually build all these courses? Was it your own, it was your own <laughs> struggles? Uh, and why, why continue to do it? Like what's, what's your motivation? Yeah. So it's, it started off as, um, like I had put, I had written up like a bunch of small articles that kind of like, if you looked at them in aggregate, I was like, oh, this, so actually I, I was originally really focused on web performance. And then, um, I knew I eventually wanted to have my own business. So I was working with a business coach and, um, the very first thing he said to me was like, oh, I know you, you're the vanilla JS guy. Um, which I had never really kind of like identified myself as, um, I really wanted to be like the web performance person and like vanilla JS was just kind of like a way in, you know, like to, to improving some web performance stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, eventually I ran with that. Um, I noticed that like the 10 most popular articles on my site were all how to do thing you used to do with jQuery and just vanilla JavaScript. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's actually onto something. Um, so I threw together a book, um, called ditching jQuery and it did not sell mm. at all. Um, it, it wow. was like a pretty big failure. Um, it's, it's like right. a few copies. So I ended up taking the book, breaking it into six parts. Um, selling them for like the way i had priced it was if you bought all six it cost the same as the previous book that was all just one thing cost but um you know like broken into six parts and it just took off uh, which was really weird because it was like the same content and the same price ultimately <laughs> um just positioned differently um and uh so that kind of took off and then i started getting emails from folks like i've struggled to learn javascript for years and like this finally clicked um and uh, it turned out that like my teaching style definitely doesn't resonate with everyone, but for a certain type of learner, like really clicks and works for people. Um, I am way less animated and entertaining than someone like Wes Boss, for example, might be. Um, I'm a lot more blunt and no nonsense, probably because I grew up in the Northeast. Um, and uh, that just really works for some people and really turns other people off. So if it works for you, Great. Um, but uh, yeah, getting getting emails and messages from students who have gone on to like actually have things click, get jobs. Like I've had some people who like this is a second career for them. Like they've finally like been able to transition into the field. That's what really keeps me going. Um, and then every other product I've built since that initial set of books um, has been students asking questions or bringing up like other things they're struggling with and me trying to figure out ways to help them work through that. You know, speaking of uh, this being your second career coming from HR, what advice would you provide to somebody that is in a uh, whatever the career may, may be on a on a general kind of uh, terms? What advice yeah. do you give them to help them? You know, these are some steps you could take. Here are some places you could go to help you um, make that transition. Yeah. Um, so. Um, uh, so first of all, um, uh, if you go to gomakethings.com slash thundernerds, either with or without the dash, um, I've put together a bunch of resources related to stuff we're probably gonna talk about on this episode, and I'll go update it after the show um, with some additional things. Um, so don't feel like you have to like write any of this down. But um, one of the things I have uh, that I think would be really helpful for folks is um, I have a career guide for web developers that specifically talks about how to 
find jobs, how to write resumes that get seen by a real person, how to get through all the like HR nonsense. Um, before, um, or when I was in HR, my specific job was career development for developers and, um, or for engineers. And um, I was able to take all the like inside knowledge I had from working in HR and um, use that for my own career uh, kind of trajectory here. So if you go to gomakethings.com slash I think it's career guide. Let's see here. Hold on. Uh, you career. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go make things.com slash career dash guide. Um, that is free. Um, it includes my resume template that I use to get through the like automated systems that HR folks use to screen out resumes um, and a whole bunch of like information there. But if I were to boil that guide down to a couple of small things, um, uh, first of all, it is, um, Networking. Networking is literally the number one thing you can do. Um, sorry, that should be career dash guide, not career slash guide. I probably said that wrong. Um, uh, but um, yeah, networking is like literally the number one thing you can do. And I don't mean like, you know, go to, um, you know, go to these like stodgy networking events um, and have these nonsense conversations that never go anywhere. Um, so the way this worked for me is I identified folks who either worked at companies I wanted to work at or, um, who worked in jobs I thought I might want. And I sent them an email and just said, hey, you know, do you have like 15 minutes to chat? I just want to ask you a little bit about what you do um, looking to get into the field. Um, and this was back when, you know, we could still meet people in person without like <laughs> worrying about getting COVID. So it was usually like, I'll buy you coffee, my treat. Um, or if they were like far away from me, like we do like a, at the time Skype was a thing people still use. So we would do that. Um, but I would always ask just a couple of questions, you know, so what does a day in the life look like for you? Um, what are kind of the biggest challenges you face in your role? And what sort of changes do you see happening in the industry that affect the work that you do? And you would get a ton of information. First of all, you could find out if the job that you were interested in is actually even something you wanted. If it was a company you thought you were interested in, you might learn like, oh, this place is actually awesome or hey, it, it actually sucks. I don't want to work there. Um, uh, and in talking about kind of biggest challenges and what's coming next, you would learn about maybe some skills that would be important for you to have if you wanted to move into this role. Um, and that really helped shape like my educational path and the things that I did to kind of figure out what was next. Um, what you don't want to do is say, I'm looking for a job. Do you know of anything? Because, um, uh, that's just really off putting. Um, but doing that puts you kind of in the person's mind as someone who is interested in coming into the field. And one of the like, like inside baseball or kind of like dirty secrets of, of HR is um, getting a job approved takes a lot of time. And so a hiring manager will want to hire for a role and it has to go through all these red, like you know, all these hoops, this red tape. And by the time it actually gets approved, it may have been like months in the works. And so hiring managers will usually start networking, trying to find people that their employees or their friends know who might be good for the job before the job ever gets approved and posted in an official forum, um, like a job board or on a company website. And so um, networking helps you find out about those roles early. Um, and it means that like, by the time a job gets posted, sometimes there's already like three or four finalists and people who apply like through normal channels don't even really get an opportunity to apply for the job. So this kind of gets you around that, um, like that process. Um, and then everything else is just like, you know, there's 
specific ways you can structure your resume to make them um, you know, a little bit more appealing, um, focusing on results and not just things you did. Um, but yeah, that was really the biggest thing, like, like the networking piece. I call them coffee conversations. So just having quick, short, little chats with people. Um, and then at the end of every one, I would always ask like, oh, you know, is there like anybody else you think I should talk to? Um, and it kind of creates this spider web where you, you start to meet more and more and more people. Um, and before you know it, you have this really great network and, um, and you learn about a job and you apply for it. And, uh, you know, having someone that you've networked with also means you can ask questions like, what is this hiring manager like? What's the interview process like? Um, how should I dress? Um, you know, do I even want to work on that team or are they actual like, you know, garbage people and maybe I shouldn't, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> just let me quick, quickly say, we're not just talking about IRL, right? We're talking about, this is also in communities where you can socialize. Yep. Twitter groups. You know, it's honestly probably easier now than it was 10 years ago. Um, between Discord, Twitter, um, you know, you can, you can just kind of reach out and have really casual, um, really casual conversations even when we were doing irl stuff i um you know i'd say at least half of my coffee chats were like not really coffee chats they were just like zoom or skype conversations i'm i'm curious did you ever have a situation where it, it sort of didn't go well that you can share <laughs> that you you gotten you met them and it was just was bad for both sides i guess no um i've had some people not respond I've never had anybody yeah. tell me no. I've had some people just flat out ignore me. Um, and I've had some conversations with folks where, um, you know, I came away feeling like, oh, you know what? That's not really like a place I'd like to go work. But I've never had it be a thing where like, um, uh, like I felt crummy afterwards. Um, uh, I am, um, uh, I'm also a really chatty person though. And so that, <laughs> That probably helps. I can imagine some other people finding me overly talkative and it being a bad experience for them, but um, it wasn't for me. Now, I've been on the other side of the table, too, because I give this advice so much. I've had people be like, oh, so in the spirit of coffee chats, could I talk to you? Um, and <laughs> oh, where, um, role reversal. <laughs> and where it, I've had some great conversations. I've had some that are not so good. Um, and where they tend to be not so good are when people come in without like a specific mm. agenda or thing they yeah. want to know. Um, uh, so, you know, like if you come in and you're just expecting me to like dump advice on you without having specific questions, I think that that puts too much effort on the person you're trying to get information from. So if you are going to do these interviews, go in with a few questions. And it honestly doesn't have to be much. The three I mentioned yeah. earlier is usually enough to like, you know, snowball into other questions um, or not. You may just, they give you some answers and you're like, okay, thank you. I really appreciate your time. And then you move on. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's come probably. In, come, so come in with a goal in mind, basically. Yeah. 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 And yeah. honestly, whether you're actively looking for a job or you're just trying to figure out what you might want to do in this field, the questions are basically the same. Um, you're thinking internally about it might be different, but you're still asking basically the same questions. So how was your uh, first job experience? Did you get it through networking? Did you get it through cold applying to jobs? Since you worked in HR before. Yeah, yeah. What your path was. <laughs> So um, after two years of failing interviews, I was at a conference, um, Artifact Conference, um, which hasn't run in a couple years. Um, they took like a five-year break 
and they ran one more and then COVID happened and they went on hiatus. But um, uh, it uh, is put on by, um, uh, by Jen Robbins and um, Christopher Schmidt and Ari Styles, and it is literally the best conference I've ever been to. It was my first like web developer conference. And um, I, um, I met some, well, I, I was telling everybody at the time, I'd go to meetups and stuff. I was telling everybody I was looking you know, to switch careers. But I met someone there who three months later remembered I mentioned I was looking for a job and emailed me that like someone on another team in his company was hiring. And um, I went through the whole interview process, somehow didn't bomb the JavaScript interview like I usually do um, and got hired. And um, yeah, that was, um, that, was, that was it. I didn't go through like the normal application process. I just, you know, I sent him my resume. He did his like employee referral thing. Um, but um, yeah, it was, um, so the company, it was actually, it was Constant Contact, the email marketing folks. Um, and oh, yeah. it was, um, oh, I'm sorry, what was that? I just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no yeah, way. so it was, um, it was one of those things too, where it was like, it was a really great, I loved the culture there. Um, like really strong emphasis on like learning and development. Um, and I had a really bad manager. So I was there for about three months before I left. Um, I went in with this whole, um, so this was like a real learning moment for me. Um, I went in, I'd been fully remote or mostly remote in my last job, which also happened to be 15 minutes down the street from my house. So the fact that I was remote was kind of silly, but I got hooked on being remote. Um, and constant contact was like, like without traffic, 40 minutes with traffic, it was like a three hour round trip. And so during the interview process, I had a lot of conversations about wanting to be remote and they were like, okay, we can talk about that once you get settled. And then I got settled and, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. And every time I brought it up, it got pushed off until finally my manager was like, oh yeah, we don't really do remote here. And then I quit the next week because just don't tell me we can talk about it if we can't actually talk about it. And so that was a just you know for anybody who's listening like the learning moment for me here that i probably should have known is like if it's important to you never accept like a yeah 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 handshake kind of thing um uh you know as part of the job offer like if they mean it have them put it in writing um and if they won't that's usually a pretty big red flag um i ran into this with another kind of job interview process i went through like a few months back where um loved the team loved the manager um they had a really aggressive non-compete that I was worried might mean that I couldn't continue doing my JavaScript education stuff. And they just wanted to hand wave that it was okay. And literally refused to put in writing that like my side business wasn't in conflict with their non-compete. And so I just, I turned it down. Um, yeah, have to. So, you know, this is the kind of thing though, like as a young naive, like I just want to break into the field. Like I, I overlook red flags. Um, and, you know, I get really privileged to be in a spot where I don't have to. Um, but, you know, for anybody who's listening, like if it's really important to you, get it in writing. And, and I think it's okay to say that if you're starting off your career, no matter what age you are, if you're, you're coming into, uh, into the technology industry, if, if you need to just jump in and jump in and do whatever, that, you know, that, 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 that's one thing, you know, but yep. once you start getting... Uh, more seasoned, yeah, not so green. You, you have <laughs> yeah. to be um, aware of these things and you have to yeah. um, communicate. You have to train people how you want to be treated and you have to be upfront with your expectations because a job isn't just you working for somebody. It should be a partnership where you are providing these services and mm -hmm. your partner should also be taking yeah. care of you as well. It's, it's not a one-way street. 
right? Yeah. The um, you know, the other piece of this too is like you um, you know, you, your first job may not necessarily be, probably won't be perfect. Um, and you know, it's important to identify the things that matter for you in a job and what things you're willing to compromise on earlier on when, you know, you maybe don't have as much um, leverage. Um, right now is kind of an interesting time because companies are like dying for people. But, um, you know, just generally speaking, um, you know, if your early career, you may not have quite as much leverage in the job process as you do once you've, um, you know, built up a bit of career history. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially if you're first starting out, you don't have as much leeway. I mean, we yeah, don't have there's, as much experience. You know, and there's, there's so many other, like, layers to this in terms of, like, privilege, right? Like, I'm, I'm a heterosexual white dude um, who also has, like, you know, social safety nets, like, if, if, like, a job doesn't pan out and stuff. And I know not everybody's in that situation. So, like... I try to be a little cautious about like giving ivory tower advice around this stuff. Um, you know, like I've talked to people who like, they just, they need a job. And so like, sometimes you have to put up with, with like garbage at first, um, which really is unfortunate, but, um, you know, obviously like evaluate your own, your own kind of situation and, and go from there. Um, but, uh, the good news is I think we're at a time right now where employers are learning that they can't necessarily, um, like, jerk employees around as much as they historically were able to. So that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, th uh, that makes me go to um, one of the articles that you put out recently on your podcast about ADHD. And I wanted to ask you some questions about that. So uh, it's 11 minutes, somewhere around 11 minutes. I I'd like to ask you about um, if you ever experienced any uh, stigma around being diagnosed with ADHD and um, just talk about some of your advice that you provided where people yeah. can actually uh, communicate this to their work and it's not some like weird thing. It's, it's a normal yeah. part of life and people have different things, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so great question. So um, I was actually diagnosed as a kid um, and this was back like when there was like a really bad stigma around having ADHD. Um, so there was kind of two, two concurrent things happening where um, ADHD kids were seen as really disruptive and they were getting like massively over medicated. Um, and um, also because boys tended to be disproportionately diagnosed and sometimes like misdiagnosed just because they were like high energy. Uh, you started to get this other group of people who were like, it's not real. This is just like kids being kids. Um, and so my parents never really informed my school that I had ADHD um, and never kind of pursued the medication track. Um, and so um, certain things came really easy to me and then other things were really, really difficult. Um, but I tended to learn a bunch of like really hacky kind of coping mechanisms. Like one of my things is like, if I'm not really interested in something, I just don't do it. Um, and uh, if I'm really interested in something, I will obsessively focus on it and like do an amazing job with it. And so um, in my working world, that has meant that I have had periods of extreme productivity and then like days or weeks where I have been wildly unproductive. Um, and it ends up kind of being a wash, you know, so it kind of balances out with other 
um, let's call them um, like, you know, neurotypical employees. Um, but uh, yeah, it creates some interesting challenges. Um, and the article you, you just linked to has, um, you know, some of my kind of tips and tricks on that. But um, yeah, I am, um, it's only in the last year or so that I've started like really vocally articulating that I have ADHD. Um, and one of the things I've learned is that a lot more people have it than you realize. Um, and sometimes when you describe what it's like, people who were never diagnosed because they also grew up during the like overdiagnosis um, slash underdiagnosis period of the 80s, um, realize that they as adults may have had ADHD their whole life and not realized it. Um, yeah. But so like at my last job, when I mentioned that I had ADHD in my boss, he's like, oh yeah, no, I do too. And suddenly all these things that like, I'd kind of been like trying not to let anybody like, you know, you know, know that I was like struggling with, um, you know, he just, he totally got and understood. Um, and it like reframed the whole conversation around like how I get assigned work and the types of things that like I, I, I work on and do. And like, um, so if you live in the US, um, legally, your employer has to give you um, accommodations if you have um, a disability. And ADHD qualifies as a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And a lot of uh, countries in the EU also have similar, um, similar laws. Canada does as well. Um, and um, now some companies will want an official diagnosis from a doctor. Most of them won't ask. Um, uh, but yeah, you can, um, uh, you can ask for all sorts of things. Like, um, for example, one of the things that's really tough for me is meetings. Um, so, uh, it's really tough with my ADHD to get into focus. And then once I do, if it's disrupted, like it takes me a long time to get back into it. And, um, uh, if I have a meeting coming up, I will avoid getting into like really like deep and meaningful work because the meeting will just completely like screw me over. Um, so I'll just wait until the meeting's done and it ends up eating up like half my day. Um, you know, so you might, for example, ask to be, um, you know, have meetings move to certain times of day or, you know, like maybe I can just get like the email summary afterwards if it's not critical for me to be there. Um, it's like an accommodation you could ask for. Um, open office plans are absolutely horrific for folks with ADHD. And I used oh, yeah. to have like a really, really garbage tech lead at one company who used to love to like hit people with nerf darts if they looked a little bit too focused. He thought it was funny. And it's like, for me, that just, you just like screwed me up for an hour. So I hope it was worth it. I'm going to go play skee ball instead of doing work now. I hope you're happy. Um, and uh, so, you know, if that's you, Asking to work remotely is a very reasonable accommodation for something like that, or being assigned like a private quiet space. Um, like I used to just find open offices and like camp out in them to avoid that kind of nonsense. Um, but uh, yeah, um, in terms of stigma, I haven't really encountered any, but again, I'm a white cishet dude, um, massive amounts of privilege. I'm pretty established in my career. I have like a, big online following now and i've only really started talking about this stuff a lot in the last year or two so um you know if you are someone who already deals with kind of nonsense or stigma around the quality of your work so like if you're a woman or a person of color who already has to prove yourself a lot harder than like i would um i can understand being a little bit shy about being open about this sort of thing um the good news is there are a lot of 
other people who are also being a lot more vocal about this. And I, I think a really important thing about doing that is it destigmatizes it. Um, so it starts to become a thing that people recognize as just, you know, um, just another normal aspect of life. Um, one of the things I've, I've really started to believe in the last year or so is that neurotypical um, is either way less common than people think or just not even a real thing. Like everybody is neurodiverse in some weird little sort of way, um, whether it's Absolutely. ADHD, autism, anxiety, something else. Um, just everybody's got their own weird little quirks. Um, and we've all just been too like uncomfortable to talk about it. Um, so I try to talk about it a lot now. Yeah, it's it's great that we're getting back to um, or we're getting to a place where things are open. We could talk about things and everybody has more of an uh, open and inclusive mindset. So I, I, I just see the world getting better. For sure. For sure. I, I have a, uh, a, a topic that I was thinking about that it's somewhat, somewhat drama-esque. Uh, being someone who's very vanilla JavaScript focused, I'm curious what you mm -hmm. think of the movement of uh, where you are in HTML and you can use Tailwind for your CSS. You can use Alpine mm -hmm. for your JS and you can mm -hmm. completely avoid <laughs> leaving the, uh, the sacred HTML space. <laughs> um, what's, yeah. your, uh, what's your uh, take on that? that, that trend yeah movement. yeah so i have um i have feels um they <laughs> feels, are more like nuanced that. now than they were a few years ago um so um yeah so let's unpack a few things here um so uh kind of the authoring your javascript and html thing um feels very like view-esque um and um from a making the whole thing more accessible to beginners aspect i really love it um it reminds me a little bit of like back in the day when jQuery made JavaScript a lot more accessible to people who would have otherwise really struggled with it. Um, as an experienced JavaScript developer, I don't like mixing my JavaScript in my HTML. Um, I just, I like having my JavaScript as JavaScript. I personally find it more readable. Um, uh, bigger picture, I don't really love large libraries in general because they pass a lot of overhead onto people who use the things we build in exchange for our own convenience. But I think there's some really interesting libraries of that nature um, that have come out in the last year or so um, that do the same things that some of these other big guys have been doing, but in a more like respectful way and treat these components more as like progressive enhancement than like do everything with JavaScript. Um, so like Petite View and Preact come to mind. Um, uh, you mentioned Tailwind. I'm not personally a fan of Tailwind itself for a variety of reasons, um, but I like utility class CSS big picture and I use it heavily in my own work. Um, uh, and what I like specifically about it um, is it makes it really easy for me to mix and match stuff in my designs like Lego pieces. Um, without having to constantly create new styles for everything. Like if I'm building a new site and I want to kind of mix up the design a little bit or add some new component that didn't exist before, I can usually slap a couple of utility classes together to make that thing. Um, and so it's really helpful in that regard. Um, uh, I also see utility class CSS as a really nice strategy for keeping the overall weight of your CSS file down. Um, 
maybe not Tailwind itself unless you're using their build tool because like the base weight of Tailwind itself is huge if you're not like compiling it into just the classes you're using. But um, but yeah, uh, it can it can result in some really lean CSS files, which is great. Yeah, definitely. With with um, Al Alpine, sorry, uh, with Alpine, I was curious what you thought in the sense of mm -hmm. how Jerry. You mentioned jQuery and how jQuery shaped kind of the direction <laughs> modern JavaScript took. Yep. Are, are are we perhaps seeing the same thing with you know Vue.js did an approach, React kind of did it, uh, Alpine is doing something, and they're all kind of going down this path i'd love um, for that to yeah. happen that that is honestly like my future dream for so like just and we've already seen that happen a little bit so just um just for example right like um the details and summary elements allow you to create disclosure components um that um you know so like expand and collapse kind of things with just html um it works in all modern browsers but if someone's on a really old one that doesn't support it they get the heading and the text like as is, it's progressively enhanced out of the box. It requires no JavaScript. It's awesome. Um, and I would love to see more interactive components get baked into the browser itself um, as HTML elements. Um, you can kind of sort of do the same thing with autofill um, uh, using an input. And um, I always forget the other piece of this, um, but I do have it documented somewhere on one of my websites. So let's see what it is. Um, it is, oh, data list. That's what it is. So an input and an associated data list element. Um, you can get like a, an autocomplete type ahead kind of thing, which is really nice. Um, but I'd love to see more stuff like that. Like I'd love something like that for accordions, carousels, tabs, um, dropdown menus. There's no reason why we should need to rely on like third party components or kind of people recreating the wheel over and over again with JavaScript for these kinds of things. Um, they should be baked into the browser, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like expanding the original HTML document to include more document assets. Yeah. Basically. And just yeah, using yeah. details and summary again as an example, where I think they really nailed it with that component specifically, is it works completely fine just as is. But you can style it. You can change like the icon that shows up as part of the expand and collapse, including its placement. Um, you can um, hook into it. It emits a custom JavaScript event whenever it opens and closes. So you can hook into that to expand its capability to do other stuff. Like if you wanted to say, Ajax load content into it the first time it expands, you can do that. Um, if you, um, uh, you know, if you want to just run it completely on its own, you can, but you have all these hooks that you can use to extend it. Um, and like that for me is, is the real vision. Like I want more stuff that you can just write declaratively with HTML and then expand with CSS and JavaScript if you want to, but don't have to. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I have a burning question. Uh, back to the ADHD. Thing that you're yeah, talking. please. Uh, you mentioned this one thing about um, ADHD is considered a disability through the American Disability Act. Does mm -hmm. this mean you can get a disability like card for your car for your car for your vehicle if you're ADHD? I don't know, but I'm going to assume probably not. If we're talking about like the handicap placard that allows you to pop park in handicap spots, um, probably not because those are usually like specifically for people who have like physical limitations that make it difficult for them to walk distances mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, 
I've honestly never really kind of pursued it. Um, I still don't myself take medication. Um, uh, I, I, I've been looking into that recently. I've been trying to figure out how, like, um, I'd probably have to get re-diagnosed at this point because it was so long ago. I'm assuming if I talked to a psych, they'd probably want to, um, like, reevaluate me. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I'm sorry. Okay. That's fine. And then the second question. Sorry. I just want to ask another question. No, um, uh, when you have ADHD, like, how do you deal with long meetings? Ooh, so, like, what do you do to compensate? To yeah, so, um, few things. One, um, I doodle like excessively, um, and like honestly, it's it's one of those like if I'm not doodling, like it looks like I'm not paying attention when I'm doodling, but it's actually the only thing that helps me pay attention because I'll go into this like mindless kind of kind of thing and it mm -hmm. it uh like it just becomes muscle memory um like i'll have like these little sketches that i've been drawing since i was in elementary school um you know like even like like the cool way to draw an s you know like just little stuff like that that you can just do like mindlessly <laughs> and uh and and it lets me kind of like keep that i need constant stimulation part of my brain busy so that i can pay attention um the other thing um is like honestly if a meeting is too long I just can't do it. Um, like when I used to be physically in meeting spaces, I would get up and like stretch or pace the room, which it was really uncomfortable the first few times I did it. And then people just got used to it. Um, one of the nice things about being remote um, is if you are fortunate enough to have like wireless headphones, um, you can just get up and walk around. So I'll like, I'll walk around my house. I'll go grab coffee. Um, I will take the meeting on my phone and like walk my dog. Um, like I used to pace around in my backyard on meetings all the time. Um, like when the weather was nicer, not so much right now. Um, yeah, but long meetings are like really tough, really, really tough. That sounds like everything I do too. I also do my laundry. <laughs> right. I just, I need like, and it sounds so dumb, but like, um, like one of the things with, with ADHD is like your brain sometimes has a dopamine deficit. And so like you need, you need things to keep your brain occupied. Um, and so like for me, just like busy work, anything that can occupy my hands. Um, I used to like clicky pens should not be around me because I will click them like over and over and over and over and over again. And they make a lot of noise. Um, so I, I started buying like twist pens because I can fidget with them. And um, it's not as disruptive to other people because they don't make noise. Yeah, it's oh, you, you don't have a... Uh, where where we, we we can't see what everybody is going through or what things people have, and it's uh, we just we need to be more um, understanding of uh, what that that not everybody is like us, not everybody is in our bubble, and um, you know some people have things that you just you can't see right away, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean you're related to that too, right? Like you have um if you're at all aware of autism, you may have a particular vision of what that looks like in your head. Um and I remember having kind of like a a real like um like uh like awareness moment for me that I maybe had some, you know, some kind of like false assumptions when a like a friend of mine told me that they had autism and I hadn't realized it because um you know, they had come up with all sorts of masking strategies that made it not particularly obvious. 
um, most of my experience with people with autism had been like, a, you know, a very particular set of behaviors that this person didn't have. And um, it was a, a like a real awareness moment for me that like, oh, yeah, like there's all sorts of things people are like dealing with that you may not be aware of. And, you know, so like they told me that like, you know, all these like interactions we were having that like I just took for granted. They had this whole like checklist of like social behaviors they had to make sure to exhibit, um, you know, as part of this like masking strategy. And, you know, so like there's just all sorts of stuff like that, that, you know, you everybody's got their own kind of like internal thing going on in their head that you can't always see. You, you know, and the last thing I want to add to that is I know you have one of those things, which I, I think you're, um, you know, you probably don't talk about so much publicly, but which is your love of pirates, puppies, and Pixar movies. Maybe we could diagnose that and see where that comes from. Cause pirates and puppies, I don't, I don't know the connection there, but I, you mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Pi pirate puppies. Come on. Oh, is it pirate it, puppies? Did I get that Pixar wrong? Pixar movies. Yeah, I, which, you know, if Pixar made a, it's a missed opportunity for a puppy right? movie about, yeah. So, <laughs> um, Paw Patrol pirates. Yeah, oh. Actually, you know, yeah, but Pixar, Pixar doesn't own the Paw Patrol rights. And so that's, there is a, there is a Paw Patrol episode about pirates, but, um, there's not any, many. I, I, I know my way around Paw Patrol. I could cite pretty much every episode. So, right. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that Frederick, but, um, <laughs> you feel my pain. I do feel your pain, yeah. but, um, yeah, no, it's uh, the, the funny, just, I know that was kind of a joke question, but I've been obsessed with pirates since I was a kid. And, um, uh, my wife very, like very generously threw me a pirate birthday party like a few years back. Awesome. And I remember like this, it just goes to show you like, you know, like sometimes you're like your friends know you better than, than your family. Right. So like all of my family was like, I don't get it. You know, like there was like down to like, there was like a cake with like pirate chip on it and everything. And my friends were like, yes, that is perfect. That is a hundred percent Chris. Um, you know, so yeah, the love is deep. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that, um, uh, have you seen the SNL skit uh, that they just did, Frederick, on the Paw Patrol? Yes, I, I love it. It's it's wonderful. Uh, it's so true. It, it's so true because I, every time I watch one of those afterwards, I'm like, how are dogs talking? How do dogs have cars? How do they get dressed? Who insures these dogs? Is it AAA? I don't know. Is this really the part you're hung up on? Because for me, it's it's how is Mayor Goodway getting elected? Like she has no business no running business, a town. Right? And like right. the real question. Where, did, I, where does Mayor Humdinger come from? And why where, doesn't he just stay at Foggy Bottom? Where are Ryder's parents? How yeah. is he funding all this technology? And it's if you've seen the movie, dollars. are we really supposed to believe that Adventure City was able to build this massive complex for the pups in like just, just a them. few days while he drove there. None of this makes sense. No, none of it. And then Liberty just all of a sudden was there and she's like, yeah, she's part of the Paw Patrol, but really her voice is the voice from Sky. So you're like, wait a minute, that sounds like Sky's voice, but really it's Liberty's voice. It's the weirdest thing. And then they didn't use her cart that she had at the beginning to make that kind of like her vehicle, but instead they went with a different vehicle. I have a lot of concerns about this movie and that... <laughs> That whole uh, cloud thing was really uh, weird with their weather control. I, you know what I wasn't? Know you, you, what? you know what really hit with that movie, though, was that no one listened to the scientists who were screaming that something was going to go wrong. That she really hits. That <laughs> is like... If they were like, come on, just listen to this person. She's t telling everybody, like, this weather thing is going to happen. Bri Brian, I, I know you have to think about weather. 
Yeah, Vincent, does, do you have some lightning behind you? Oh, lightning? oh. oh yeah, uh, look behind you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're getting oh, towards the like cut. <laughs> oh my god, he just fumbled on me. Um, yeah, that, at the end, towards the end of the show, we have what's called a lightning round where we each ask a question and, and sequence, uh, answer it, move on. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, as opposed uh, to the rest of this episode, well, well, it's a lightning quick round, it's like quick, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so my, my first one is, uh, do you have any pet peeve of yours that you wish you could just get rid of completely because it ruins your entire life? Uh, Paw Patrol. <laughs> that's a good next one. question i would second that Perfect. good uh what is your favorite thing honestly what is your favorite thing about yourself authentically what is your favorite thing oh yeah um so I, it's legitimately honestly my adhd it can be a hindrance sometimes but it gives me goddamn superpowers like when i'm on i can crank out so much work in such a short period of time it is ridiculous i love that Vincent, what's your second most favorite Pixar movie? Second most favorite is Wally. Ooh, nice one. Okay, Chris, you see a roach in your house. Do you squash mm -hmm. it or trap it and toss it outside? Ooh, I don't know if I toss it outside, but I definitely tr like trap it because squishing it means that I'd end up with potentially cockroach eggs all over my shoe, which would then spread to the rest of my house. But I am also like a believer that, logic. that bugs. <laughs> but I, like the other piece here is like, I, I legitimately believe that bugs deserve life too. So I always trap and release like spiders and things like that um, who end up at my house. Good. That's nice. What, uh, what book are you reading currently for pleasure? Just for fun. <clears throat> uh, I, so I am in the middle of the Expanse book series after having torn through all the shows and knowing that more continues after them. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, Love I I kind of kind of stopped halfway through the book that I'm in. I think I'm on book number four and I kind of like stopped in the middle of it because I got sucked into some really good TV shows and then I just haven't gotten back into them. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to picking that back up. What do you like to do when you're not working or coding or teaching? Yeah, so um, a handful of things. I love to mountain bike. Um, I love to hike in the woods near my house. Um, and our, um, our last rescue dog, Bailey, just passed away a few weeks ago. We have a new puppy in our house just as of like last week, Ryder, um, who was pre-named, not because of the Paw Patrol. Um, <laughs> sure. the same way, though. Um, and um, he is awesome. And so I love playing with him and taking him on walks. Um, he's a cute, fluffy little Bichon mix. Uh, and he is just like the loveliest little thing. Okay, ridiculous question. I love this. is one of my favorite ones to ask now. Okay, you're expecting a super important phone call from a family member, a friend. It's like, I don't know, baby's being born. Uh, something mm -hmm. like really important is happening. Your phone rings, but you're in the middle of eating like ribs or Cheetos. Your hands are completely coated. Uh, what do you do to answer the phone? Like, what, what do you answer the phone? Do you wipe your hands? What's your, what's your, what's your thing? Um, if I'm expecting something kind of an important call, I'm using my nose. Um, I do that all the time. Like, like I'll have, you know, like if, if I'm like playing a YouTube video on my phone or like music while I'm like doing the dishes and something I don't like comes on or like an ad comes on on the skip ad thing, I'm over here like packing it like a chicken, trying to like, 
<laughs> trying to hit that really tiny tap target. <laughs> it doesn't work usually. I've done the oh, show. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to try that, but good, good to know. No, it's yeah, the, the skip, skip ad button. They make really hard to hit. So that one never <laughs> works, but like pause and skip like on like Spotify or YouTube, those work. Skip ad never works. Chris, if you could not be around a computer for the rest of your life, what would you do professionally? Ooh. Um, I don't know. Um, in a previous life, I wanted to run a doggy daycare. That seems like a lot of work though. Um, I guess if I could be like a bartender on a beach in a tropical like location somewhere, that would be pretty sweet. Um, or maybe a Disney cast member. They pay like garbage and they treat their people terribly, but I really love Disney. So, you know, trade-offs. <laughs> I would say Pixar artist, but like they use computers for literally everything. So that's yeah. not going to work. Yeah, that's not happening. Vincent? Okay, you're in the longest, most boring meeting you've ever been in your life. You know, eight hours long. You can't doodle. <laughs> you can't wash dishes. You can't stretch or pace around. What do you do? Quit. <laughs> good answer. Quit. That's I'm a good out. Answer. <laughs> good answer. What's uh? What's the last movie that you watched that truly, just truly made you laugh? Oh, um, oh God, hold on. Um, uh, I need to like pull up my Netflix queue to answer this one. Um, because I was like, I, I, I watched it after my wife had fallen asleep on my iPad, and I was like, really worried I was gonna wake her up because I was like trying to suppress my laugh so hard I was shaking. Um. I don't remember what it was, but um, the one that always does it for me is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like that, oh, that movie God, is I my Achilles heel. <laughs> I did love that movie. <laughs> so good. Um, I did recently rewatch Office Space, though, and that had me. I hadn't watched it in like a decade. And now having a bunch more like, uh, like corporate years under my belt than when I first watched it, it really hit me in the feels. Like in all the, all the right ways. Nice. All right. I I'm out with, uh, with, oh. uh, the lightning. Okay. You got any more uh, Vincent? Uh, not offhand. Brian has one. I think. I, I, yeah. I, well, I got, got one more, one more important okay, question. How do you cheer up a JS developer? You, I don't know. You could, you console them. <laughs> Consult them. <laughs> pretty good. These are the kind uh, of jokes here. I'm here for, man. This is great. <laughs> Two last things here, Chris. Uh, how can people find out more about you? Where do they go? Obviously, we'll put links in the show notes, but. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I would, if, if I were you, I would have her to gomakethings.com slash thundernerds. Um, that is um, like my, my home on the web is gomakethings.com, but gomakethings.com slash thundernerds has links to a bunch of related resources, um, you know, based on everything we've talked about in this episode. Um, you can sign up for my newsletter if you're interested. You can find my contact information if you want to tell me how wrong I was about, you know, Paw Patrol um, <laughs> or whatever. Specifically Paw Patrol. <laughs> Specifically Paw Patrol. The JavaScript stuff I know you're going to agree with me on, but Paw Patrol I'm sure we'll have a lot of strong opinions on. So, Oh, I have another question. Yeah, so absolutely. should I watch Paw Patrol? I've never seen it. <laughs> Resoundingly, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have, children, but, but it has puppies. 
I love puppies, though. Thank you. It, it, it's not the same thing, dude. Trust me. No, no, I will say this, though. Like, so Disney has this whole, like, line of, like, live-action dog movies where they computer animate the dog's mouths, like, super buddies mm -hmm. and, like, all this thing. I would watch Paw Patrol over those movies any day of the week. Oh, yeah, Rubble um, on the Double, definitely. You're right. Green means go. I get you. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. No, and I, as much as I joke, like, the Paw Patrol movie was, like, it was better... It was better than I expected, but I went in with really low expectations. So <laughs> it, it, it wasn't bad. It was definitely better than the show. Uh, I digress. Chris, <laughs> last question here. Uh, can you provide the audience with some closing words of wisdom? Yes. Don't learn JavaScript. No. Um, uh, in all seriousness, um, if I had kind of like a, a just... A, a, an overarching thing um it's um i literally i say this as someone who teaches javascript like collectively as an industry like let's use less javascript um that's really like my life's mission is to get people to use less javascript and more html and css nice I like that yeah. All right. well hey chris thank you so much really appreciate you joining the show brian vincent yeah, thank, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you said earlier about how, you know, if you don't want to do something, you're not going to do it so that you did spend an hour with us. Thank you. Uh, and I want to see the doodles afterwards. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we need I, to see the doodle artwork. I was, I was really hoping one of you would have been like, ah, I didn't really like this one. But, you know, what do we... <laughs> Miss comedic opportunity. Um, thank you. Thank you all for having me. This was literally the most fun podcast I have ever been on. Um, I know I joked about the lightning round thing, but there was so much like just all over the place in this and it really appealed to my ADHD like so hard. This was great. This was like, it was so chaotic. It's exactly what I want in my life. It was perfect. Oh. So thank you. This was great. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and, thank you. Uh, uh, thanks everybody for watching. Um, we'll have some uh, show notes coming up and um, we'll catch you next time. Make sure you subscribe. Thanks all. Thank yep. you, Chris. Click that bell. Cheers. See ya. Yeah, click that bell. Smile and wave.